الحمد لله وكفى وسلاما على عباده الذين استفى اما بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قد افلح من ذكاها سبحان ربك رب العزه اما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم امام الرباني شيخ احمد الهندي رحمه الله تعالى مجدد الفساني has mentioned a concept in one of his maktubat which is known as fana in nafsi and i think that sometimes it really is a value to us to sometimes study and read and listen and learn about this amazing concepts that our mashaikh were living examples of even if our own journey on taskia is still at a very introductory phase and we are already and focused on the all important task of purifying ourselves from sin and we are doing this most elementary aspects of our trying to bring to us to the most elementary aspects of our deen but sometimes it is worthwhile to look at some of these what may seem to be high level theoretical concepts just to realize what the power of the deen of islam is and what type of human being that the power of taskia is trying to create and really at what exalted state of humanity a pure and pristine qalb and a pure and pristine wali of allah subhanahu exists at and one such concept is this notion of fanai nafsi and by fanai <coughs> by fanai nafsi what imam al-banatay meant by that was that a person would annihilate and extinguish and incinerate all of the desires of their nafs and this is an amazing thing and many many of the mashayikh of the sawf and taskiyah have repeatedly stated that one of the core goals of the sawf is that a person should eliminate all of the unlawful aspects of their nafs that a person should eliminate this concept of ana even the concept of one's own self and it's interesting that this is the complete opposite to the methods of certain philosophers many philosophers in the persian and urdu tradition developed this concept of khudi which was an exaltation of the self and by knowing oneself one would know god but an ardeen it's by eliminating oneself that a person knows allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's by annihilating oneself that a person is able to realize and get the marifat of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and i think that it's very important to understand this concept at its fullest theoretical level at least for us to know what the haqiqat of tasawwuf and the haqiqat of ardeen is which is very much this that we must remove our nafs forget our nafs even to such an extent that a person becomes loses consciousness of their own self because they are so drowned in the awareness and the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and i feel whenever i used to read the stories of the ulama of this ummah that they were people who had reached this fanai nafsi so when you read the lives and biographies of the mufassirun the muhaddisin the fuqaha and all the ayakamilin you feel that about all of them that there were people who had really eliminated not just sin from their life but obviously they did that and that is a core goal and me and 
and our listeners are all working on towards that goal, that they were people who had eliminated not just sinful acts from their life, but they had removed their own individual desire for sin, their yearning for sin, their thoughts of sin, their remembrance of sin. And when they reached that level, which is what Imam al-Banidli calls fanai nafsi, that is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened up onto such a pure and pristine heart, all of these marvels and wonders of Quranic interpretation, all of these nukat or gems of tasir, all of these wonders of hadith, commentary and hadith and the meanings of hadith, all of these wonderful and amazing ijtihadat and legal prowess and legal genius that he bestowed on the summa, and all of this ilham and all of this qurb and all of these feelings of marifat that the awliya of this ummah got, it was because they had wiped themselves completely clean such that there was nothing left of their own temperament, their own personality even. And that is an amazing thing. And for example, that is something that we talked about last week as well when we talked about Ishq Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and that one definition that exists of muhabbat is that the lover loses themselves in the qualities of their beloved, how by annihilating and extinguishing their own qualities. And that's what these people did, is they had annihilated and extinguished their own qualities, and therefore they were adorned with the, each and every sunnah of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They were even adorned with the sunnah tabiyat, what sometimes in Urdu they call the Sunnat Adai, means the Sunnat temperament, the Sunnat mannerisms, mm. the Sunnat lifestyle, the Sunnat outlook of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And that's really, I think, it's just amazing that they were able to reach that level and they were able to annihilate themselves so much. That mm. so this notion of Sanai Nafsi also has to do with eliminating any and all aspects of Takambar, Ujab, vanity, self-conceit, arrogance, and pride from a person. And this is a wonderful way for us to understand how the sawuf is a means to reach these goals. Now, for example, let's say a person has some arrogance or pride or feels that they have some arrogance in their heart. And they know that the Prophet said in Hadith that a person will not enter Jannah who has even an atom's weight of the cover in their heart. And they also know this ayah of the Qur'an, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, that if you don't know, for example, in this case, if you don't know how to read yourself of the cumber, you should ask the people of dhikr. So many times people wonder, that how is it, what is the method that the sawaf uses? Now the sawaf sometimes uses a method that is not as direct as people think. Although there have been mashayikh who sometimes will write, a book on what the cover is and will highlight its different types and its different meanings and all of that. But how is, and that's just, for, that's really actually just enabling us to diagnose the illness. Much like a doctor in medicine has their whole series of books that mention that mention the symptoms of different illnesses, the characteristics, the types, the typologies of different illnesses. But the question is, how does the soul of cure a person of and sometimes that's not that direct. Sometimes rather what the Sawaf does is try to bring a person to such a state of being in which the cover will automatically be eliminated. Mm-hmm. That is what this concept of Fanai Nafsi is. That when a person eliminates every single thing about themselves, then they've reached such a state where it's impossible 
virtually impossible to have vanity, pride, conceit, or arrogance when they have reached that maqam or that station of fanai nafsi in which they have annihilated their self in the remembrance and worship and love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is a good way, to, again, to understand this power of the thawaf, that mm. through zikr, through amal, through sohbat of the shaykh, through the du'as of the shaykh, the jihad of the shaykh, the spiritual attentions of the shaykh, a person then can reach the state of fanai nafsi. Mm. Alhamdulillah, this is what so many of our mashayikh have taught, that to eliminate any concept of ourselves, any concept of my wants, my wishes, my feelings, my desires, my personality, my outlook, my way, my habits, all of that is something that the people, in, in, at least in classical tzav, used to wipe off. Such that they became, literally, they became people who didn't have any such of their own wishes and will. And that's exactly how the Sahaba Kiram, radiallahu ta'ala, anumajmain were. And when you study the lives of Sayyidina Abu Bakr, when one studies the lives of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, radiallahu ta'ala, anhu, or Sayyidina Umar, radiallahu ta'ala, anhu, a person feels that they completely incinerated their own personality, and then they remolded themselves and refashioned themselves after the sunnah and the talimat of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jalani used to mention and it's written in his Malfuzat that he used to tell the ulama who used to come to his majlis and he meant this metaphorically he used to tell them that you should enter my majlis naked and he meant by that that you should enter my majlis devoid and emptied of all of your formal learning mm. and, and then and he said he would say leave it at the door and it means that it's something to be picked up on the way out again Pick, leave your ilm at the door and you come in you can pick it, all that ilm up on your way out it's not abandon it altogether but try to extinguish yourself and so I found that also to be amazing that for a person who is an alim even their identity and self-awareness of being an alim is something they have to wipe out in this process of tiski and tasawwuf. And that is very difficult for the ulama who are traveling on this path. It's very difficult for them to forget that they're an alim or a malana or a sheikh or a mufassir or a muhaddith. And that's exactly what Sheikh Abdul Qadir is telling them to do, that they have to leave any such self-conception, self-identity, self-awareness, any notion of the ana has to be left at the door. And then when a person empties themselves of everything, then they become an empty vessel which is open to being poured, uh, is open to the manifest of Allah subhanahu wa to be poured inside of them. Now, at a more practical level, if we were now to then move from this theoretical discussion, at a more practical level, how can any one of us uh, try, how can we practically, gradually, step by step, piece by piece, eliminate our own ana, our own concept of ourselves? And that is really the mujahada that this area in the discipline of Tazkiyah and Tasawwuf is telling a person. This is the mujahada that we do on the nafs. So it's not just mujahada on the nafs that we try to keep it from doing sin. We try to keep it from doing anything and everything that is, is its own wish and will. 
and we're trying to temper it and train it that it should only want to do things that are the wish and the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and the first, and, and maybe the most, the, that area of our life where we need this teaching the most, and also that area of our life where we will be able to see the effect of this teaching almost instantly, and we will see the power of this teaching, and that area of our life which many Mashaikh have said is any tasawwuf, and that is what we call our mu'amalat. And really one of the biggest problems that we have in our interpersonal relationships and dealings with other people is not necessarily a blatant, outright manifest sin, but is because we can't let go of our ana. We can't let go of who we are and what I am. So it should be how I said. You should have done it the way I wanted it to be done. You should have said it the way I wanted it to be said. You should have known that that's what I wanted. And so if you think about it, many times even when we get into conflicts with other people or arguments with other people, we start speaking like this. These are the type of words we use. It, but it's no, no. It, it, but it's not what I wanted, right? It, it may be completely fine. It's 100% jayas in the sharia. It even was completely valid in terms of the dunya. But it's not what I wanted. And this is, I think, a reason why many people, because they don't have the teaching of the sawuf, they don't realize that they have to eliminate the I from their life. They're caught up in two very big problems, which is they have problems in their interpersonal relationships, and secondly, they fall into depression. Because the number one reason that I have experienced in dealing with people that they are depressed is because what they want didn't happen. And this is what I wanted didn't happen. What I wanted in my life, whether I wanted it as a career or as a spouse or as this or whatever it was, it's that concept of I that is so dominant in their being that leads them to this depression or leads them to having poor interpersonal relations. And that is also a wonderful way for us to see how the soul fixes a person's mu'amlat. You see somebody, for example, asked Imam, Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani, ta'ala, that you, not, you didn't write a book on tasawwuf. So he said, I have, I wrote a book called Kitab al-Biyu, the book pertaining to the rulings of the Sharia as to how people should engage in monetary commercial transactions. He said, that is any tasawwuf. Mm-hmm. Whether we look at any area of mamalat, whether it's marriage, whether it's commerce, any area, we look at even the Sharia, is exactly like our tasawwuf. The Sharia is exactly the Sharia of Islam is exactly aligned with the teachings of tasawwuf of Islam, and that is that a person should forego themselves, should be willing to sacrifice themselves, to prefer others over ourselves, to honor others over ourselves, and tasawwuf brings a person to all of this by eliminating their nafs. You see, again, when a person has this maqam of fanai nafsi, then you would find that fanai nafsi is a cure for any and all depression, and fanai nafsi is a cure for all of our interpersonal problems. So rather than curing it directly, the sawf brings a person to a maqam, to a state of being, in which they don't have that problem anymore. So let's start with this issue then of interpersonal relations. How can we whittle away at this ana and at this naf that we have? Is that what we should do is we should, in the realm of the jais, we should now try to forgo even our own jais 
wishes and wants vis-a-vis other people that many times we are so insistent on. And when we're so insistent on it and then it doesn't happen, then we fall depressed. So an example of this would be, let's say, between a husband and wife. So there may be a particular way the husband wanted something done. Or there may be a particular thing that the wife wanted the husband to say. If they didn't say that, right, Mm -hmm. to try to view that as an opportunity to step on our nafs, Mm -hmm. to view that as an opportunity to sacrifice our nafs, to view that as an opportunity to finish our ana. They're okay, look, if they didn't do it the way I wanted or say exactly what I wanted, but as long as they did fulfill the right that I have over them, or as long as they did prove to be a loving, loyal spouse or friend or student or teacher, however it is, we should learn, we should give up our own individual wish and want. Mm. So the very big teaching, I know it sounds like a very small, uh, very trivial thing that I'm saying tonight, uh, and people may be stunned that, you know, they may have been enjoying the theoretical discussion of Fanai Nafsi, but really, you know, we have to be practical and pragmatic about our Tassawaf. Although we can talk for hours and hours of stories of the Mashaikh and their Fanai Nafsi, but the question is, how can we get some share of this? How can we implement this in our life? How can we also become people of Tiskia in our life? That's the real purpose of our gathering uh, on air and online uh, every Thursday. Mm-hmm. So I think that in our interpersonal relationships, we should start sacrificing some, not everything, some of our individual expectations, especially those that were very nitpicky. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and this is what enables a person then to look at the good that other people have. Many times because we were looking for the good that we wanted to find, we don't see the good that existed. And again, that's a very self-centered approach, that we are looking for the good that we wanted to find. And I think, again, the best example of this is between spouses. So there may be a particular way that we want our spouse to be. And our spouse isn't like that. Now the question is, is that as long as, I mean, there may be, and I'm not, in any way trying to discredit that, there may be some very serious problems that some people unfortunately may be facing where the spouse is in a way that is against Islam. I'm not talking about that right now, tonight. I'm talking about that the spouse is completely fine as far as the Sharia and Islam goes, just simply in terms of our temperament, our tabiyat, our our personality, our own compatibility. We don't find our spouse to be like that. So if we insist on that, or if we get depressed because of that, that is actually ana. Mm-hmm. That is actually ana, that is actually our own self, our own nafs, mm-hmm. our own ego. That is really the best way to put this concept of ana, our own ego. And if we can identify all of these places in our life where our ego is at play, and one by one try to eliminate the role of our ego, then that is the way we will be on our way to attaining this concept known as Fanai Nafsi. A second thing that helps us deeply in getting, so the first example I gave practically was Mu'amalat, and this notion of eliminating things that we feel are due to our ego. A second thing that helps us incredibly to reduce this ana and to, re- and to reach this thing called fanai nafsi is ittibai sunnah. That by following each and every sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, no matter how minor 
no matter how outward, that brings a person to the state of fanai nafsi. And we've seen this in our own life, as well as the lives of others, that doing amal on even the most trivial of zahir sunnahs, gifts and bestow, Allah Ta'ala gifts and bestows a person a batani sunnah. And there's an incredible rupt and relationship between the zahir and batan of Islam. So when we remove our zahir preferences, it is our zahir ana that Allah Ta'ala enables us to remove our batan ana. And that's understood because Allah Ta'ala, His own, He Himself has chosen these two names for Himself, al-zahir and al-batan. And many things in our deen have a zahir and batan. Just like that, our nafs, our ana, our ego has a zahir and batan. And the sunnah has a zahir and a batan. And when we adopt and implement the external sunnah, the outward sunnah, the zahir sunnah, what we're doing is, is we're going against our nafs, we're going against our ego. For some people, it's going against their nafs and ego and sacrificing their self that they may have wanted to do something one way, or they may be used to doing something one way, or it may be a natural inclination or a habit or a temperament for them to do something one way, but when they see Nabi Akhil did something in a different way, that is how they do mujahada on their nafs, and they remove their ana by annihilating their own wish, their own want, their own temperament, their own habit, and remolding, refashioning themselves according to the sunnah temperament, the sunnah habit. And even <coughs> even something so simple as the way we eat, the way we drink, the way we walk, even something so simple as that. And this is actually an incredible mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He has allowed or He has placed so much power in such simple outward sunnahs that they're able to penetrate and permeate to the core of a person's heart and they're able to incinerate and extinguish the sophisticated anah that we have in our batan. Following the simple zahir sunnahs mm-hmm. is a means to extinguish the sophisticated anah that we have in our batan. Subhanallah. And this is established in a hadith, this rap between zahir and batan. Nabi Karim said once to a sahaba, that wear the imama, it will increase you in hill. Wear an imama, that's a zahir act, to wear a wrap, a piece of cloth around your head. But the Mekhah says that if you do that, what will happen, you will increase in your hilm. Hilm is a botany sifat. A hilm means forbearance. Your forbearance, your calm-headedness, your cool-heartedness. This is an inner, inward, internal botan attribute. And how, what is the sabab and cause of that attribute is wearing an imama a completely zahir activity. So again, we see the rapt of then doing amal on the sunnah, doing ittiba of the sunnah, even in a zahir sense, and the impact that has on our batan. And there's nothing easier in the world than following the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Because every human being's fitrah is to follow that sunnah. And for a woman, it may not be uh, certain of these external outward sunnahs of dress, but there are plenty of other outward sunnahs, like I mentioned eating or drinking or entering home or exiting home, ways of eating, drinking, du'as of all of these things. All of these things form the sunnah. So the second way 
then in a very practical level, we can reach this fanai nafsi is through intibai sunnah. Each and every sunnah, inshallah ta'ala, that we are able to do will give a blow or a dent uh, to our nafs, to our ego, to the blameworthy aspect of our nafs, which is our ego. And the third thing uh, that we are able, that is a means for us to reduce our takabbar and our ana and to reach this level of fanai nafsi is zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The more and more zikr a person does of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, zikr was an exercise made by the mashayikh of tasawwuf which has been tailored specifically to make a person reach such an awareness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala such that they become unaware of themselves. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran is tabattal. So he says in Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran, وَذْكُرْ إِسْمَ رَبِّكْ وَتَبَتَّلْ إِلَيْهِ تَبْدِيلًا And make the dhikr of the name of your Rabb. Focus so much on the repetition of this ismi jalala, ismi azam coming from your heart that you reach this maqam of tabattal, that you become entirely unaware of everything else. The zikr is that exercise, is that method that also brings a person to fanai nafsi. And in the teachings of our own Mashaikh of Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that's why they taught that if a person works on their kalb, automatically the nafs will fall into line. Because the more and more zikr they make of their kalb, the more fanayat they will have. The more fanayat they will have, the more their nafs will also become fana. And that way, automatically then, the nafs will be eliminated. So this was the topic of tonight's discussion, was how we can try, first of all, this notion of fanai nafsi. And really, one can only imagine what incredible human beings they would have been, these ulama, awliya, sulaha, who had reached this maqam of fanai nafsi. And really, every night of theirs was like Laylul Qadr, every day was like Yom al-Arafat, every moment they lived purely, solely, exclusively for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the sunnah of that beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is what it means to have fanai nafsi. The other side of that is to be fanafillah, fanafirasul, fanafiddeen. All of these are topics that we may someday do some other night on the program. But the becoming fanai nafsi, Attaining fanai nafsi is the all-important step to getting that fanaiyat in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the love for Allah, in the Prophet Islam, the love for the Prophet Islam, and in our deen, in our amal on the deen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable each and every one of us to eliminate all of the blameworthy parts of the nafs, to eliminate our mm-hmm. ego, and to refashion ourselves and mold ourselves according to the Quran, Sunnah, and Sharia. وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب سبحان ربنا الرحمن اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم آمين ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تكفل لنا وترحمنا لنكوننا من الخاسرين يا الله يا رب الكريم يا الله we ask that you give us najat from our nafs يا الله we ask that you save us from our أنا 
Ya Allah, we have become people of our ego. Ya Allah, we have followed our own wishes. We have followed our own desires in this world. In the beginning, we want to live a life in which we follow your wishes. We want to live a life in which we follow your desires. Ya Allah, we ask that you accept us and bestow upon us a life that earns your pleasure. And Ya Allah, we ask that you save us from any action, any intention, any thought, any feeling, any emotion that is even the slightest way displeasing to you and Ya Allah we ask that you incline our hearts towards each and every action that earns your pleasure soften our heart for the deen increase our heart in its remembrance adorn our hearts with love for you love for the beloved messenger and our love for this deen Ya Allah let there be nothing more beloved to us in this world except becoming amongst your ibad amongst being amongst your true and sincere and devout worshippers Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Name. We too want to extinguish and annihilate our nafs. We too want to mold ourselves in the sunnah of Nabi Akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Ya Allah, we ask that you bestow upon us a kamil ittiba'i sunnah. We ask that you bestow upon us the outward sunnahs and make it a means of bestowing upon us the inward sunnahs. We too want the sunnah love for you that the Prophet had. We want the sunnah fear for you that the Prophet have. We want the sunnah tawakkul, the sunnah sabr, the sunnah shukr, the sunnah the rahm for others and ya Allah we ask that you remove the ana and ego and that is causing so many problems in our interpersonal relations Ameen. ya Allah we wish to be a source of love and compassion for others Ameen. we wish to be a source of solace and comfort for others Ameen. ya Allah we ask that you soften our hearts towards one another Ameen. that you incline our hearts towards one another that Ameen. you put peace love and harmony between the hearts and all of our relationships Ameen. and ya Allah we ask that you accept us for iman Ameen. and that you raise us on the day of judgment amongst the Ahl Iman. Rabbana takamal minna innaka anta samiyun alim. Wattubu alayna innaka anta tawabu rahim. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimin.